0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting ready for the final shot of the third quarter. It's Kemba! Fire!
1: You're listening to BuzzBeat Radio, your premier Charlotte Hornets show, now broadcasting with your host, Richie and Spencer.
2: Welcome back, BuzzBeat listeners, Queen City Hoops readers, and Hornets fans. This is episode 22 of BuzzBeat Radio, and the first show on Dash Radio. For our new audience on Dash, BuzzBeat is the Charlotte Hornets show where you will get in-depth analysis about everything surrounding the Charlotte Hornets. We're getting ready to gear up our NBA draft coverage over the next few months, but you'll find that we have plenty of versatility when it comes to talking Hornets basketball and the NBA. If you're an NBA fan, especially if you're a Hornets fan, stick with us, because I think you're going to like what we have to offer. BuzzBeat Radio will air every Tuesday from 4 to 5 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. The almighty baller Radio Network, the home of BuzzBeat Radio, is extremely excited about our new partnership with Dash Radio. Thank you to all of our dedicated listeners to this point of the show. Please make sure you're recruiting all of your other friends that are Hornets fans and get them on board with what we're doing here so we can continue to bring you the best Hornets coverage out there. Also, if you guys have not Download the Dash Radio app to this point. Do it now. Don't make me tell you again. Just go do it right now. It's awesome. Lots of good music on there. Obviously, now you have us to take with you there. But you know what? We've gotten great feedback about this show from our listeners so far. What I would challenge you guys to do, if you have constructive criticism, any feedback at all, give it to us. We need it. We need to get better. We've got another loaded show for you on the way tonight and a guest that I know you're all going to recognize who's talked some draft uh, with us already before but first, let's check in to my better half in Indian Land, South Carolina's finest, Richie Handles, Randall. Richie, what's up?
1: What's going on? First off, I am excited about this new partnership with Dash Radio. I actually uh, recently bought a new car, and they have Apple CarPlay, which allows the Dash Radio app to show up via my car. So that that's pretty cool. But other than that, just been hanging out, watching some playoff basketball those of you that don't know, I'm a school teacher, and so I'm counting down the days until school is over. Teaching 10-year-olds all day can be exhausting, but again, glad I get to talk some Hornets again uh, tonight. Even if the focus is uh, very draft-heavy, I'm going to be with it tonight. And again, our guest is is very insightful, and I'm glad that he's going to be on today because he has some expertise uh, in the college game.
2: All right, so back with us for the the third time is it the third time, Brian? I don't even know. Yeah. You've been on so many times now. Though. Yeah,
3: three, three. This is uh this is the the, the triple time here. Third time,
2: the trifecta. So the yeah. very talented Brian singer ACC basketball expert, Hornets junkie, state of North Carolina apologist. Brian, I, I don't know how to introduce you. You're a man of many talents. How are you, man? I'm pretty good, man. I'm hanging in there. You know, this
3: is this is a kind of a crazy time of the year. Uh, you know, NCAA hoops kind of wrapping up a few weeks ago. At right as the the playoffs fire up with the the NBA, so it it's hectic. Uh, I'm ignoring calls and and invites from all my friends and family right now. Uh, the last in you know for the next couple of weeks, basically to just kind of lock in here on the playoffs and drafts in uh, draft. But uh, no, nah, it's good, and I'm I'm happy to be back too.
2: Awesome, man. Well. You know, I always feel like every time I get on the show here that you know we're talking about yeah, you know I've been locked in recently. You know I'm I, I'm shut myself off to the outside world because I'm locked into this. So just understand everyone. I remind you a lot we actually do have a real life, you know, away from this <laughs> and and uh, but but for the next hour you're going to think that we don't have a real life uh, right. after we get done talking <laughs> about these prospects. So so let's uh, let's jump in. That was the longest intro we've ever had. So let let's get right in here. I want to start with the summer plans for Rich Cho, which which I would say is a safe bet that it's priority number one surrounding this team if you're a Charlotte Hornets fan. So what we want to do is play a little if you're the GM. And what I want to do, Richie, I'll start with you. If you were Rich Cho, then kind of lay out your summer priorities for us in a make-or-break year to save your job. How are you building this roster back into a winning product? It's a loaded question, and, and this conversation could go in a lot of different directions. But, Richie, presented with that question, let's start with you.
1: All right. Well, if I was in this situation, my job wouldn't be on the line. I would have an extension. I'm just kidding. No, but I, I, I do have to uh, – <laughs> I don't want to make excuses for Rich Joe, but I will say that he does have a difficult task here in Charlotte, considering the fact that it is a small market team considering the fact that we've rebranded and we really haven't established ourselves as a winning franchise, not to make excuses, but I will say that his job is going to be tough. This summer is a make or break year. His option was picked up for this year. And to be honest with you, that, that signals that this year, if he doesn't make the playoffs, he probably won't have a job with Charlotte come next year. Now, some of the, you know, the establishment of our winning franchise relies on him. And I know that we aren't going to draw a lot of free agents and – Fortunately or unfortunately, however however you want to look at it, we don't have a lot of money to spend. So priorities for the Hornets this summer to kind of build them back into a playoff team is going to rely on the draft. I think that's, that's priority number one. So they have to do their homework on their prospects for this year's draft. And I think needs overall, we need a backup point guard. And preferably this point guard is going to be a two-way player, someone that can play defense because our backup point guard did not do that and maybe someone that can also play beside Kimba. I think need number two is three-point shooting, and another need is rim protection. I think those three are probably our top three uh, needs when it comes to this team. If we can address two or maybe even three of those with players that we acquire this summer, I think that we'll be in good shape moving forward. Now, I do want to throw out one thing. I, think, I don't know if a lot of people are thinking about this. With the draft coming up in middle of June, late June, we're, we're at the 11th pick. You know, the possibilities that we have are just one, two, three, and then 11, 12, 13, or 14. Those are the only options, okay? So the likelihood that, that we pick in the top three is very, very low. I like the top maybe 8 or 9 prospects in this draft, but from like 9 and 10 downwards, I feel like there's a significant drop-off. So if I'm selecting at 11 compared to, say, 18, I don't think there's that much of a difference, so I have considered trading trading back, and if I were Rich Cho, I would highly consider trading our 11th pick for the 15th and 20th pick to Portland and if we have to throw in our second rounder to, to get that, I'd do that as well so yes, priority number one is is drafting, but I would look to trade back um, I'm sure there's a whole lot of other directions that we can go, but I'm going to end it there because I, I know that you guys have some thoughts on this
2: Brian, I, w- I want to get want to get your thoughts next year on this? First thing first. If I'm if I'm Rich Cho, I'm
3: pretty pumped because I've seen the man's Instagram account and it looks like he eats pretty well, actually. So I, I don't know if you guys have seen that or not, but Rich Cho uh, is a man of of many foodie pictures on on Instagram. So I, I'm pretty excited. I'm going to eat well uh, at being Rich Cho this summer, even if my uh, my job might be on the line twelve months from now. Um, it, you know, the first things first. If real quickly, if I if I am Cho, I don't see this as a 36 win team. There are there were all the games when Zeller missed that the team didn't play quite as well. We were a forty-eight win team in 2016. Even in 2017, our our expected win loss based you know our Pythagorean based off point differential was that of a forty-two win team. We lost a ton of one possession games in the fourth quarter and overtime. So maybe I'm thinking, you know, the the amount of talent I need to get is maybe not quite as steep as some of the other people kind of following the team. Now I I don't necessarily agree with that paradigm, but I I kind of do think that they might think, hey, if we add another piece, we're we're right there at fifty wins, and and um, you know that that we can just build off that, which is why I again they don't there's no cap space. They're already capped out for for this summer. They do have the mid level exception, which is about what eight eight point four eight and a half million uh that they can offer up. But other than that, it's either gonna be it has to be it, it's it's you know, bar it's uh dumpster diving like they did with Sessions and Hibbert last year. That didn't really work out. I, I have some guys I think they could kind of maybe target as that kind of backup point guard, combo guard uh role. I'm looking for two-way players and I really want guys that can also defend because our three-point shooting defense was terrible this year and that's something that we just we gotta work on. We it's gotta be better next year. And um and you know, uh, and I'm I'm just looking for trades as much as humanly possible. The only problem is uh, we don't have a lot of trade assets. Any anybody that we would flip, and, and I think Kemba and Cody are the only two untouchable guys. You know, it's tough, but but maybe maybe it is time to part ways with with MKG, which would pain me a lot because I really like the guy. But I, I'm I'm gonna look, I'm gonna search the trade market for potential suitors that would looking for uh, maybe to flip me a a little more offensive minded wing. Because as good as MKG is on defense, we can't play him in the fourth quarter because of his offense. You see his minutes and his touches, they fall off a cliff. So I'm looking for two-way players, and, and I'm I'm pursuing the trade market. I'm going to be a little aggressive here, actually.
2: Well, Brian, I think you're definitely on to something with the two-way players. I mean, I think that the Hornets, through the draft and through the mid-level exception, have to find a two-way guy with both of those moves. One of the things that I really – I think it really came to me this past week, thinking about this this past season and kind of what lays ahead this summer for the Hornets is that depth was a very underrated aspect of last year's team. And maybe not and I'm not talking about the season that just ended here, but but you know, the playoff team from last year, I and maybe not in that moment. You know, everyone knew, wow, this maybe we didn't expect this team to be deep, but this team is deep, you know, and that mm-hmm. was one of its greatest strengths. I think when we got to the postseason, I think this year pretty quickly we realized that this team is extremely thin. And not that we didn't expect to lose some of that depth by losing guys like Jefferson, Lynn, and Courtney Lee. But I don't know that we expected it to be that massive of a hit as it ended up being. And so a large part of that to me was the fall off defensively, especially on the wing uh, I mean, you look at Jeremy Lin, who played with Kemba a lot late in games last year. He was guarding shooting guards. OK, and then Courtney Lee, who was, who was garnering a lot of the minutes at the three, is guarding small forwards. So although those guys were undersized against the guys they were guarding, there was still a very stout defensive lineup, you know, with So I think you saw late in the game this year, the Hornets just couldn't survive on the wing defensively, even with MKG out there, which he wasn't last year. I mean, that's that's one of the most shocking things. Um, we kind of traded smaller, athletic, quicker feet for longer rangier guys who have better physical tools. But but it but it wasn't a clean switch, you know, and, and I think that's really interesting to look at that. So I think that. Finding guys again in the draft, finding a guy in the draft. If, if Richie's point ends up being true, and we trade back, finding guys in the draft that can play two ways on the defensive end, and then you know the mid-level exception player. Of course, he's got to be an offensive spark plug, like you said, Brian. They can play at the end of the games with Kemba, but you know he he also has to be a defensive presence. I mean, that is what derailed the Hornets this year. I've said it many times. Steve Clifford is a coach that can he can coach a mediocre offensive team into Into a team that's the sum of it is greater than his parts because he's such a good defensive coach, but he can't coach a group of guys who are so deficient defensively and make them better offensively. So it is very much Cho's job this summer, and if he wants to make the playoffs, to, get, to put the defensive parts in place first, to me, because that's the identity of this team. You know, when I look at the, the trade market for Charlotte – I, you know, I've thrown out the Cody Zeller contract in the past. I think that's to me the most valuable, most intriguing contract. That could be wrong. I think the MKG contract is is very, you know, you could argue that that that's more intriguing to teams, and you might be right. Realistically, I don't think the Hornets are going to find a deal uh, mm-hmm. out there, even if they tack on the pick, the 11th pick or whatever it ends up being, you know, to it. You know, unless the Hornets win the lottery or or, or you know get into the top three somehow. I just don't see like where there's a trade actually worth making because now you're exchanging parts and if you're exchanging a Cody Zeller and a Michael K Gilchrist, are you really actually gonna get a piece that makes more sense back? And I think the answer to that is probably no. Uh, at this point, especially if you're Rich Show when you're fighting for your job in one season. You know, again, maximize the mid level exception. I mean the Hornets have to hit that out of the park and I already touched on that, but I guess the end day I just don't really know where this team escapes from this cap situation that they're in. You know, and so I think it's kind of taking the baby steps, right? Like it's just I think Cho's job is to just get a first down this offseason, right? And if it takes three Mm -hmm. downs to get there, then that's what it's gonna take, right? Like don't like you don't need to swing for the fences here. You need to nail your pick. Okay, you need to nail the mid-level exception, get a guy who can play both ways and you can put him on the court in any situation. Okay, he doesn't have one strength and then his weaknesses are also, you know, very glaring. You know, if that makes sense, like I just think Cho needs to be put on the smart cap again, be a little bit conservative, I guess, and just take three downs to get the first down. Because I think if you do that, you get two players who can contribute on both ends next year. I don't see why this roster could not be a playoff roster.
1: I guess the issue is with him only getting his option picked up, do you think he feels the pressure? Do you think that he feels that he needs to be aggressive in the trade market? And maybe it might be a high-risk, high-reward type of deal with his, with his acquisitions this offseason. So that, that's the only thing that I'm a little nervous about for the, the long-term future of this team. Will he get over-aggressive and not take those baby steps because he knows that his job is on the line? I could see that so- happening.
2: So no, no, I absolutely and we had this conversation the other day, Richie, and I think it's a great one. And I think it's totally possible that a situation like Carmelo Anthony says, Okay, you know what? Screw you guys. I hate you just as much as you hate me. I'm waving my no trade clause. And all of a sudden the Hornet's like, Well, hey, we'll we'll do this to get that guy. And by the way, Carmelo would be a great fit in Charlotte. Okay. So yes, that that kind of situation, you know, if that arose, which it won't, but if it did, I could totally see Cho moving you know, paying to overpaying, so to speak, Mm -hmm. for something, you know, and that's just one situation. There's a lot more examples you could theoretically throw out there, but to me, Richie, and I would present this to you. So if you're Rich Cho, is it, is it seriously playoff or bust next year, which I think it probably is for, for his future, but if he doesn't panic and he continues to build this team, you know, somewhat from an organic standpoint, which I think he has done minus the miles Plumley trade to this point, um I mean, does he at least put the Hornets front, you know, ownership in a position next year and say the Hornets get to forty wins, maybe they get to eight seed or may, maybe they barely miss out. Does he at least put them in a situation where they have to ask the question, he's sticking to his guns and he's building this team the way he said he was gonna build it? And we need to stay patient. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean I would
1: I would hope that he went that route. I'm just not sure that he will. And I think if I was in a situation, I would you know, would be feeling the pressure To get the job done, and you know, and considering like Brian was talking about, like you know, this, the the metrics tell us that this team really wasn't a you know eleventh seeded team. You know, they they probably should have made the playoffs based off off their production, and it might not take a lot for us to get back to the playoffs. But I could see that Rich, yeah, yeah, I mean, I could see that Rich Cho is probably going to feel the pressure, and obviously, it's not going to come in free agency. So it's going to have to be he's going to have to be aggressive. Uh, in the trade market, that's just that's just my thoughts. But yeah, I would I would hope that he actually stuck to his philosophies and and took it slow and, and was calculated with his moves.
2: Well, and and and, and last thing we're going to say on this, and we're going to move on and talk some drafts. And Brian, I want to get your quick thought on this. Is mm-hmm. to me, like it's it's really simple. Like if you actually look back on last year, you're right. All the metrics kind of like show you net rating, like you know the starters for Charlotte like one of the best net ratings in, in the NBA which is crazy to think about but they just didn't have that many minutes together it, but then you look at the the clutch situation stats and Boy, the they, were to, they were bad they were especially bad. defensively but yeah. offensively not
3: second to last like, second 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 to last in the NBA in uh defensive efficiency in crunch exactly. time
2: Exactly. What? So like, is that not kind of Brian, is that not like what you need to address? I mean, and that's where I keep going back to this wing depth was so underrated last year. And and, and I think it showed its face this year. You know, I've gotten a lot of pushback about like why I thought the Hornets should have fought for Courtney Lee last season. And I really do think he would have made a huge difference on the wing defensively for the Hornets this year. Would he gotten him into the playoffs? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But he certainly would have helped him win total. And uh, yeah, and late in late games, the Hornets just could not match up defensively.
3: You see this happen with the Clippers if you watch them in the playoffs the last couple of years where it's like they 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 want to play like Mbamute or whomever their like defensive-minded small forward is, but then they got to play four on five offensively. So then they put Jamal in, Jamal Crawford in, and now all of a sudden the opponent can pick at that guy defensively. You kind of saw that with M- the MKG Bellinelli platoon in the fourth quarter, which is like you need you you wanted to have Marco out there for his shooting and for his passing and for what he does off the ball is gravity, but but then you but then you're just putting another bad you know uh, another bad defensive player on the on the court. It's not all on Bellinelli. There was a lot of there were a lot of issues defensively, and again those games when when Cody missed uh, did, a, did were a, were a huge problem. But yeah, like it, it it's just that's why getting guys that can st- Courtney Lee is the perfect guy. He was the perfect low usage wing, forty percent three point shooter from the corners can guard ones and twos and some, some smaller threes can switch. And he, I mean, there's a reason why after they picked him up after the 2016 deadline, like they took off, he fit them, he fit those other dudes like a glove last season. And yeah, I mean, they, it was pretty clear they they missed, they were trying to piece it together with MKG and, and with Marco. And it, and it just never, it was like Clifford just, you know, he couldn't, couldn't hit basically. Um, so yeah, that's why they, that's why they, this is something that I think the three of us all agree. They've got, they've got to, they have to address. And it is telling too, that, when Zeller was out there, they played defense at a rate of the number one defense in the NBA, like barely over one point per possession. That would be number one in the NBA this year. It's crazy. In and Cody appeared in four of Charlotte's most heavily used lineups. All four of those, all four of those lineups had a positive point differential, including two with Frank Kaminsky at the force. And that's another thing to kind of, hey, we can play these two guys together some, too. Um, honestly, like I felt like there from a lot of national guys, there was like a lot of doom and gloom for this team heading in, heading into next season. Other than the Plumlee contract, I actually feel like kind of good. I mean, they're not going to put together a championship team this off season, but like I think there's something to be said about a team that's fun, uh, that, that gets along that plays well, maybe they need a guy with some edge, but this team really does seem to, to like one another and, and they play, they can play a fun brand of basketball. Kemba this year became one of the top. I don't know, 30, 35, 40 players in the NBA made an all star game. And so I think there's something about keeping the core together and and just finding ways to maybe piece them together and get to 50 wins. And once you get to 50 wins with a top five, top 10 defense, like maybe you can make some noise, um, you know, in, in the playoffs or something like that. Uh, but but uh, I, I just don't see all the doom and gloom, but I also don't think there's a, a ton of huge upside. And, but really, the Plumlee deal is the only thing that kind of has me. Uh, a little sour headed into uh, the the off season here.
2: Agreed. Um, I mean, there's a lot of interesting nuggets. You know, you're you're touching on the the stats from this past season. I ran across a stat last week that I literally had to like rub my eyes and check it three more times because I thought it was I thought it was a misprint. Um, so in 400 minutes this season, when Frank Kaminsky and Cody Zeller were on the floor, they had a net rating, a positive net rating of over 11, which is yeah unbelievable and and you know when you of course hindsight's 2020 but when you go back and you look and you say man if the hornets would have fought a little harder for you know for a guy like courtney lee and marvin williams like okay brooklyn here you go like you want to pay him 50 million dollars please here walk right Right. out the door and do it you know but i mean obviously hindsight's 2020 but like looking at that stat and i'm you know just want to make you guys think here and then and then we really are going to move on but does Cho there's a suspicion in me that says Cho you know, sells his soul to the devil and finds a way to move Marvin, you know, finds a way to move uh, Marvin's contract this summer and we finally insert Frank into the starting lineup as power forward. Is it gonna have defensive implications in a negative way? Absolutely. But can yeah. you cover him up by the other two moves that you have this offseason? I think there's a good chance you maybe could. So, you know, it, it's it's all interesting to think about. Uh, but there's definitely There's definitely stuff coming this summer.
1: Before we move on with BuzzBeat Radio, let's hear from our guys over at the Solar Panel, a sun show that's also featured on Dash Radio and a part of Almighty Baller Radio Network.
2: Are you sick of paying big money to the electric companies? We've got the solution for you, the Solar Panel. Wait a second. No, that's not what this is an ad for. It's actually an ad for the solar panel of Phoenix Suns podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Greg Esposito. Myself, Tim Tompkins and Dave King of Bright Side of the Sun are excited to bring you this weekly look at everything going on in the world of the Phoenix Suns. There's some fun debate, mailbag, anything and everything you could want from a Suns discussion. We bring it to you as part of the almighty baller network. So subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play. You can find us on Stitcher. It's the Solar Panel, a Suns podcast. Let's move on to some draft talk. So, what we've done is we've all, we, we're going to cover nine guys tonight. I think you never know where, what direction we're going to go in. Maybe we'll cover more than that, but um, we're, we're going to be pretty quick in how we move through these, uh, through these prospects, but these are nine guys. I'm going to have three. Brian will have three. richie will have three, um, that we really think the Hornets are probably, they're going to be in the Hornets wheelhouse. I, I think the Hornets are really racking their brains about these prospects right now. We're considering them, uh, at 11. That's really what we're pretending. We're pretending the odds will, will play out the way they should. And the Hornets are going to pick at number 11. Of course that may happen differently, but so we'll start with Jared Allen. Um, Jared Allen was a freshman last year. He's 19 years old, played at Texas. He's almost 6'11", 225, almost a 7'6", wingspan. Very, very raw player last year. Um, long and rangy athlete. He moves really well for his size. I know this is a convenient uh, comp, <laughs> Brian, but, but I want to throw this out. He has a little bit of Miles Turner. In.
3: Right. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's the fun, like, Texas – you know, one and done big man, uh, kind of comparison that can kind of work, um, w- with Alan, with Allen, and with Turner. I just don't know if he is quite the, uh, although I don't know if we saw the, the floor spacing with, with, uh, with Turner when he was, when he was in Austin either. So, uh, maybe that's something Alan, Allen has in his game, but certainly the length in, in the, the ability to rim run and rim protect are, are, uh, you know, pretty on point comparison between these two guys.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's he, he has the ability to definitely be a le- legit rim protector in the NBA. You know, I was, I, I was really interested to see how Shaka Smart used him last season at Texas. He used him on the block, of course, a lot. Didn't get a ton of touches, you know, right down, you know, back, back to the basket around the block. He's not very skilled down there yet. He was good with mm-hmm. his right hand, but they used him a lot at the elbow. And what was surprising to me is that Allen showed a flash to – Get to his strong hand, take one dribble from the elbow, get right into a scoring motion, and it actually has some skill doing that. Uh, I mean, you can see that it's extremely raw. He's still a child, right? His coordination isn't all there, but man, like he is super rangy. His steps are super long. His hands are enormous, um, and he and he actually has a lot more touch than you would you would think. His game is not. I mean, he, he did not display any kind of. Um, in his freshman year at texas, but his mid-range jump shot is certainly not broken. His form is good uh, mm-hmm. I mean you, you see the 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 blueprint Of a 611 player who's going to stretch it out to the three-point line in the nba I, I don't think there's any question about that. He just he, he's built to do that You can tell that he's got a a little bit of a dribble game You can tell he's got a jump shot that that's definitely not broken The biggest thing for Allen really is his lack of strength um, you know, he, he's still 225 with a six eleven frame. It's just not big enough. He needs, he needs to bulk up. He needs to gain some muscle. Um, he got pushed around a lot, especially on the glass last year at Texas. Uh, but you know, the big 12s, that's a great conference. If you're a big to, to, to get a good test of really where you are, but look, the kid's a good athlete. I think he's definitely in, you know, the Hornets wheelhouse at 11. Um, you, you know, and I think, I, I think it'd be interesting I think that Allen, you know, comparing him to a guy like Zach Collins, I think he probably falls below Collins before it's all said and done. Uh, his measurables are a little bit better, but I think the question mark surrounding what his ceiling in his ceiling is is a little bit more unknown. So he he's going to be a fringe lottery guy to me. I'll, I'll say this
3: too, with with regard for Allen, some in, some encouraging numbers with the pick and pop uh, shot fifty percent out of the pick and pop this year uh 13 of 26 and when he rolled was a rim runner this year uh 1.35 points per possession and shot a shade under uh 69 percent uh roll into the hoop and pick and roll those are both promising numbers uh for you know a 19 year old 6'11 guy too to something to something to look at that's for sure
2: yeah absolutely and and on a team that won what 10 games maybe yeah (laughs) pretty good numbers so
3: the uh, the shock of smart uh, like arc is f- for the last six years is is, is kind of crazy, man. Thinking about uh, weird, uh, v- there's C- some- v- v- VCU to second year in Austin. It, it's just a strange, strange arc, man.
2: Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna say three words: smoke and mirrors. Okay, hey, look, yeah. don't, don't don't judge me, but there's something that doesn't smell right about the shock of smart experiment. Mm-hmm. All right, so the next guy we're gonna cover uh, Zach Collins. We all got to see him on the on the highest stage. Uh, and the final four for Gonzaga, the craziest thing about Zach Collins before I go into his measurables and all the all, all the, the sticky ooey gooey stuff is that he was a six man for for Gonzaga for the better part of the season. Well, really for the whole season, which is kind of crazy to think about. I, to me, outside of Williams Goss on Gonzaga, I think Zach Collins is the most talented player on that roster. He's seven feet. He's 230 his his wingspan, I, I can't really get a good feel about what that is. It's it's not listed out there. At least the people that suggest what it is, I, I just don't trust. So that's not available yet. That will be interesting to see what that measures at at the combine. He's 19 and a half years old. He only played 17 minutes a game last year at Gonzaga, 10 points a game, almost six rebounds, uh, almost two blocks, which is very encouraging in, in 17 minutes. Super skilled offensive player to me. Uh, feel for the game is definitely still evolving, but you want to talk about a guy that you can throw to in the block. He's not afraid of contact at all. Um, he's got great footwork. He has a dynamite up and under uh, move to his uh, to his uh, weak hand to his left hand that he he constantly finishes. He can stretch it out almost to the three point line. Um, he only took 19 total three, um, three pointers last season, but he shot it at 46%. So, or excuse me, 47%. So that, that is something that I think a lot of teams, when they bring him in for workouts, they're going to be having that guy shoot a lot of threes and, and see, you know, okay, can this guy really shoot threes? Uh, like his, his freshman number suggests defensively again, his wingspan's not like a Jared Allen. He's not going to be that long. He's not going to be that, uh, much of a, a force around the rim. But as hard as he plays, as good of a pick-and-roll defender as he is, his lateral quickness and lateral movement is very, very good. Um, he He's almost like a Cody Zeller kind of player at the rim. You know, I think he covers mm-hmm. a lot of space defensively. Mm-hmm. He's not going to block a ton of shots. He did in the Big West. He's not in the NBA, but he's a good team defender who's always in position, and he plays with maximum effort. And that's my favorite thing about Zach Collins is his motor. Um, either one of you guys really – because you, you both saw a lot of Collins – in the Final Four and really throughout the NCAA tournament. Anything to add, really? I mean, not a whole lot. You you mentioned Cody Zeller.
1: I have this in my notes. I think that he does have a similar game to Cody Zeller, but I think that he has provided a mid-range shot that Cody Zeller has never developed. Jumper is, is, is smooth. That aspect of his game, Zeller doesn't have. And if we were to select Collins, who knows? We Maybe Zeller would be expendable. But this this just seems like a Hornets pick to me. I don't know why. He just seems like a guy that the uh, the Hornets would select. I'm not I'm not talking about that he's white. I don't know. He just, just seems like a, a Hornets pick at 11.
3: I'll go ahead and jump in here. I, I like Collins a lot. And um, I don't know if by the end of the season if anybody was playing better than this dude in, in the entire tournament. I mean, he, he was – I thought he was Gonzaga's best player. I thought he should have been getting even more minutes for them. And – you know the, his foul trouble in the championship game against UC, UNC. I mean that 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 it's it's kind of reductive to say, but man, that, that swung the balance of that game, or certainly played a bit certainly played a big role. I will say this too: some of his some of his adjusted for pace numbers are incredible, uh, Spencer. You talked about the 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 block, two blocks per game. He had a block rate of of right at ten percent, which was top twenty five in the nation according to Ken Palm. Uh, He shot 56% out of the pick-and-pop, which is really, really good. He shot 75% out of the pick-and-roll when he rolled all the way to the basket. And he shot 61% out of the post-up, out of post-ups. All of those are just off-the-chart numbers. Now, they're not adjusting for the the, the competition level. But, um, you know, all that stuff really jumps out and looks just darn good. So I'm intrigued. And if you can find seven-footers that can shoot threes and protect the hoop a little bit maybe – Uh, You can't have enough of those guys on your roster. Seriously,
2: no, you can't. Um, You know, it's interesting. I think the block number is the most. It's it's the one I don't trust, right? You know, he he averaged almost four. No, he did. He averaged four blocks per forty minutes last year. And you know, when you play in the Big West Conference, you know, I think that that's a number certainly, especially defensively. You know, just imposing your will as an athlete. You know, he was able to do that in that conference. I don't know if he's gonna be able to do that. Uh, In the NBA, we'll see. But here's just a guy who's very coordinated, is already kind of, I would say grown into his body, right? Like he's he's very polished as an athlete, which is a good and bad thing. It's good because he's going to be able to contribute right now, you know, right away. And you kind of know what you're going to get from him at, at 20 years old, 19 and a half as he is right now. But you know, I don't know. His ceiling's not as high as, say, a Jared Allen. I mean, I think right, that's right, that, that, yeah. that's very clear. But but right. Collins is a guy that it'll be interesting to see where he lands. I could see him getting barely sneaking into the top ten. I could also see him sliding into the middle of the first round. So he's definitely going to be there right where the Hornets are going to pick. And, Richie, I agree with you. I, this is a Hornets kind of pick. And he, he really does remind me a lot of Cody Zeller, actually. Uh, I think there are a lot of similarities here. I actually think he has better footwork than Zeller did a- at this age, a lot better footwork. And I think he could be a more serviceable center down the road than Zeller is even at this point. And I love Cody Zeller, but I'm very high on Zach Collins, and I think he's going to be a good player in the league for a long time. Okay, Brian, I'm going to look to you for a little bit of help, and Richie, maybe you can even uh, help me on this because <laughs> I, can, I cannot find a, pron- a pronunciation I got, it. I got it. I got it. It's Frank. Nila Kina. I like it. I, I I would, like it. I like I, it. You wouldn't have even, if he is listening <laughs> to this, which he's not going to, but if he was and I said, Frank, whatever I was going to say, not Neil Aquino, <laughs> he was going to be like, I'm going to look this guy up. Who's this guy? Like he wouldn't have even know who I was talking about. All right. So Frank Neil Aquino, I love this prospect. Okay. Six, five, 170 pounds, um, played professionally in France last year. He's not even 19 years old yet. Uh, about 18, just over 18 and a half years old. Seven foot wingspan, which is unofficial. So we need to wait and see what it uh, what it measures at at the combine. Played about 17 minutes per game. Very much like Collins last season in terms of minutes distribution. But um, five points per game, two rebounds per game. uh, Just a little over an assist. uh, A little bit of a high turnover rate for for not very many minutes. So this is a guy who he's a long rangy guard. Very, very solid athlete. Has a chance to be a very elite wing defender. Uh, with the versatility to switch across numerous positions because of, because of his length and uh, really his size at six five, high motor, uh, I would say above average feel for the game at eighteen years old. Especially, here's what I would say about Frank as an offensive player right now. He understands the game very well. He reads defenses very well. He's pretty good out of the pick and roll, but he's a little bit of a passive player uh, at this stage. Doesn't look for his shot enough. Uh, but again, I mean, everything we we talk about, we talk about this. We talk about Frank. Remember that he's not even 19 years old, so he is very much still learning about his own game. He really improved as a three-point shooter uh, in the EuroLeague Championships or the the U18 um, EuroLeague Championships this past year, and really, you know, and professionally in France. So he's 58.6 percent from three-point range at the 2016 FIBA U- u18 European Championships which is pretty incredible and and this is a guy that was really not considered a shooter at all um, really I would say between ages 14 and, and 17 so he he has really blossomed at a shooter all of a sudden um, since he's turned professional in France defensively this is where he's gonna make an impact day one I mean you talk about a guy who plays with a lot of effort he likes to pressure the basketball. He has good team defense fundamentals. Again, look at the measurables. He's 6'5", as a point guard, almost a 7-foot wingspan. It might come in over that. We, we still have to see. But he has an extremely, extremely high ceiling. I don't know that he's the athlete to be you, you know, an all-star one day. He, he might be. But when you talk about a guy who can play a few different positions on both ends of the floor and is not even 19 years old yet, offensively shoots the ball well, not looking for a shot a whole lot off the dribble, but can set other people up. I mean, to me, guys, he's not ready to do it next year, but here's a really good fit next to Kimba.
1: I mean, he he intrigues me, but I mean, a secondary option who's passive, who turns the ball over from France, that sounds very familiar to someone on the (laughs) Hornets roster. No, but seriously, the one thing that he has over Batum is the ability to defend the ball and he can switch across both the one and two positions. Uh, That is what he's known for. Batum, obviously, we, we talk about it here on the show a lot. He just doesn't get down into stance and he's a liability on the defensive end. So yes, I, I do like this guy. He intrigues me a lot. I think that he's a player that could run that second unit. And he could also be someone like a Jeremy Lin who can play next to Kemba uh late in games as well. So and also playing professionally has to account for something, wouldn't you think?
3: I I would I would definitely think so. I was hoping one of you guys were gonna tell me that he was basically uh French uh Giannis attended the Kumpo. That's really what I was hoping for. I didn't get that. But uh but I'll, uh, I'll live. I feel like everything we're discussing tonight with the Hornets to come with the caveat that, like, teams in the East are going to be playing for second place for the next decade because we're not going to go down this rabbit hole, but, man, the Bucks are they're scary, dude. They are scary good. But, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm certainly intrigued, and I love France as a um, – I would say outside of America, and I know Canada's taken big steps in the last decade, but I think France is – I think they put – I think they have the second most guys in the NBA right now, if, if I'm not mistaken, and they really have some high-end guys like Gobert – and Tony Parker, once upon a time, D. Al, um, and, and Nick Batum, guys that have made a lot of money and, and are, are going to make all uh, have or will make all star games and stuff like that, too. So I, I like that pedigree as, along with playing professionally.
2: Agreed. I mean, he's he's definitely gonna be in the Hornets range. And you know, the last thing I'll say about Frank here is that at six five, he's one hundred and seventy pounds right now. So that's Really, when you talk about his frame, I know he's less than 19 years old, but he's got to put on weight. He's got to add muscle. Uh, He cannot come into the NBA at 6'5", 170 pounds, and expect to survive. So, you know, that doesn't show up as much in Europe, but it shows up when you play with the big boys uh, in the NBA. So he's got to add some muscle, too. But keep your eye on this prospect. Certainly intriguing. The Hornets will definitely have him in, if they can, if he'll come over uh, for a workout before the draft. Okay, Richie, I think I said I'd, I'd throw it to you next. If you're ready... Let's talk about some of the guys that you have eyed. The players that I kind of focused on actually might be a little bit of a
1: reach at 11, probably because my preference is to trade back. But anyway, the first guy that I'm going to talk about out of the three that I have may not be a reach. It's the uh, 19-year-old sophomore out of Indiana, OG Anunobi. First off, he just, he just looks like an NBA player. He has all the physical tools that you would want out of a three. And to be honest, he probably plays better as a small ball four. Um, his wingspan is a huge asset. He has a 7'6 wingspan, which gives him makes him a threat in, in many different areas, whether that's a threat on lobs, uh, allows him to rebound over taller players, uh, and also gives him an advantage when trying to affect shots on the defensive end. I think that the biggest strengths of his is that he plays well off the ball. He did very well in Indiana when it comes to spot-up shooting. He also does a good job on the spot-ups. He can catch it and drive it to the rim as well. So I think that that would actually be the biggest asset if he were to play at a small ball four because he would have more room to drive in the lane. Uh, And defensively, I think he's underrated. I think he has good footwork. He's definitely not a liability on the defensive end. He's athletic, very athletic, uh, probably top 10, top 15, most most athletic players in this draft. I will say that the one thing that scares me about this guy, he has some inconsistencies with his shooting. His shooting form is a little funky. He doesn't follow through. All the time um, he actually shot the ball better as a freshman uh, so it kind of reminds me of MKG in a way in terms of being you know good defender has a you know weird shooting form but I guess he doesn't have that lockdown label that MKG had coming in but I, I do think he has a better shooting touch than MKG so I guess it would make sense if maybe we traded MKG and we could fill this guy in at our small forward but that, that, that's just kind of what I've seen out of him from Indiana,
2: yeah. I mean, I think you're looking in you know with OG. I mean, I think you're looking at a, an absolute freak athlete. I mean, I don't think there's any question, Richie's top 15 athlete in this draft. That he might be top five. I mean, he really might. He's in that conversation, he's that freaky. Um, seven six wingspan is ridiculous. Six eight. I mean, you're talking about a guy who can guard centers and, and switch all the way down to point guards potentially, uh, for a playoff team. You know, in a series and and you're as a coach, you can live with that because you can know, you know, he can move his feet, uh, keep up with that point guard. And with a seven, six wingspan, even if you get behind or get a little bit lost, you can make up with it with your length. So this guy just has physical tools that are just I mean, they're just not comparable to many other people or or anyone for that matter. You know, he can stretch it to the three point line. He shot, you know, a little over 30 percent last year at Indiana. To your point, Richie, we'll, we'll see. You know, shooting form is not great. We're not sure how much we can trust it. But you know, he's seven six wingspan. It's hard for him to fall all the way through. But look, you're looking at a player who has a very high ceiling here. Would not be surprised to see him get to the top ten, Brian.
3: Uh, you know, I covered the ACC, and he he played against UNC and Louisville last year, and, and was awesome in both those games. And and at times, and those are two, two two rosters that have multiple future NBA guys, including a couple that we might talk about here in a second. And at times, I mean, he was the best player on the court, uh, or and certainly the most intimidating, uh, the most uh, exciting guy to watch. He, he is a, a scary athlete, and, and he did he played he he did it against the big boys. He had good games against Kansas, UNC, uh, Louisville, Wisconsin. Like he played well against all these all these big time schools that have NBA guys. So I I'm I like OG a lot. Quick note though, he did uh, he is coming off an ACL injury yeah. too, but you know that happened in January. And with the you know with the way things go now, guys get back and they're three. But that is somewhat of a small red flag, I suppose. But other than that, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I, I just don't want
1: him to be just another MKG. I, I think that's kind of redundant right. if we have him and MKG on, on the same team. And I've always said free throw shooting is an indication of shooting ability. And if it is, that's not a good sign because he shot 52% from the free throw line. So the next person that we're going to get to um, on my list is Justin Patton, uh, center from <laughs> Creighton. I think that he's extremely raw, uh, has a lot of upside, and he would definitely fill a need for Charlotte when it comes to protecting the rim. He averaged one and a half blocks per game, so that interior defense is definitely going to help, especially considering the fact, I know you might not think this, but fending the three-point line should go up if we have a rim protector because we might not have the propensity to overhelp if we know that there's someone on the back end uh, defending that rim. I think he has great handles for a big. Uh, He can work out of the high post. Uh, with you know dribble handoffs, which eventually leads to bit him being like a perfect lob man, he kind of reminds me a little bit in terms of style, uh, Anthony Davis. So he's still developing from the mid range, uh, but he does have a nice stroke. I mean, his his jumper looks looks better than OG's in terms of uh, just just the form. He only took 15, uh, but made eight three pointers uh, in his freshman year out of Creighton. Again, extremely raw. I think he would become Charlotte's best rim protector. Uh, and probably best post player uh, by default on this team. Uh, definitely seems like a player that Clifford would enjoy having on this team.
2: He is uh, super intriguing, and he kind of came out of nowhere this past season. Uh, he's 20 years old, so he's a little bit different, you know, in terms of when you talk about some of these guys you're going to be discussing in the lottery. Uh, seven foot, extremely skilled offensively. Uh, Creighton, I would say for the most part, their offensive their offense ran through him. Um he, he's plays with an extremely high motor, high energy guy was one of the best shot blockers in the country. Um, I don't know how good of a feel he has for the game. I, I'm a little unsure of just how athletic he is. You're right. Richie does kind of remind you Anthony Davis and stretches. I, I'm not sure he's got Anthony Davis, you know, well, of course he's not Anthony Davis, but I, yeah. I'm not sure that he has Anthony Davis, you know, quickness with his feet, you know, feel for the game. I mean, all, all the above, but, when you talk about a guy who just has incredible length and skill, uh, and can, and can run with his size, I mean it's it's always a guy that you're going to put extra eyes on. It'll be really interesting to me to see where he lands. Uh, I feel like I would be shocked if he got out of the top twenty, but also feel like we're really looking with Justin Patton. We're looking at one season because he literally came out of nowhere.
1: Right right all right i'm gonna get to my third prospect because we're crunched here for time this is actually the one that i'm most intrigued about and at 11 he will he will be a reach that's kind of why i prefer to draft uh lower get two picks maybe that 15th and 20th pick from portland and that would be a more reasonable range uh this guy just he just intrigues me uh donovan mitchell six three shooting guard from louisville uh Again, his wingspan is not known like some of the other prospects we've talked about. But just looking at him, it could possibly be 6'9 to 6'11 wingspan. Uh, he, he is a little bit undersized for a shooting guard, but obviously that's the position that he did play at Louisville. And, you know, he, he still has a ways to go offensively shooting the ball with real consistency, consistency. Uh, and this kind of scares me a little bit, but he did improve this year uh, in his, so- in his uh, sophomore year at Louisville in terms of shooting. Another weakness of his is transition scoring, surprisingly for how, how athletic this guy is. And to me, he's probably top three athletic players in this draft. Uh, he doesn't do too well in transition. Uh, he just shoots 45% in transition, which puts him uh, at 28% nationally. So the strengths of his, he's an athletic freak. Like I said, probably top two, top three, most athletic players in the draft. And this makes up for his lack of lack of height. You know, he, he, can, he can jump over people. So extremely explosive, but I think in the half-court sets, he plays under control for the most part, so it's not like he's relying on his athleticism uh, to and, and makes these silly turnovers. And like I said before, he has improved his three-point shot. Uh, it, it was just at 35%, uh, but again, freshman year, 25%. So that shows me that he's, he's working on it, he's getting better, his form is good, he's balanced, he has a nice follow-through, so it's definitely something that he can work off of. Um, and so I'll just kind of pass it to you, Brian, if you want to add anything more about Mitchell, he does intrigue me very much again at 11, it might be much of a a little bit of a reach there.
3: Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think he's a reach at 11. And and by the way, there's a chance Donovan uh, might come back to Louisville, although I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna stay in in the, uh, in the draft pool too. Uh, this guy's one of my favorite players in the league and has been for two years and the improvement he made from his freshman year when he was just kind of just like an energy dude that came off the bench to, Seriously, being the best, probably breakdown point guard in the ACC this year, which by some metrics was the best conference in basketball, uh, it, it was amazing. I, I kind of think of him like as like a baby Westbrook, just because uh, the athleticism, which is amazing. I, I've I've been lucky to cover this guy in person a couple times, and there was a due game in 2016. He threw down a slam at Cameron Restor- Stadium. That I mean, I've I've been in love with this guy ever since. Uh, with just with, with regard to his shooting. Uh, he made he shot he shot forty percent on his on um, or close to it on catch and shoots this season uh, last year that was at twenty seven percent this guy improved in two major major categories uh, shooting off the shooting off the bounce shooting off the catch and, and running an offense the, their numbers he was a low turnover guy running pick and roll and his in Louisville guys shot a high number I don't have it right in front of me right this second but they shot a high number when he was a passer in the pick and roll he's a two way guy that can play defense I do also think sometimes. Some of his numbers could be even better. He wasn't surrounded with a lot of shooting at Louisville, and I also think sometimes too those transition numbers. I I think they should be a lot higher. Yeah, they run so off. They run so often though that it makes me think that it just basically like his efficiency can't be as much as as high as it should because a there was a lot of pressure on him to do everything for them. They didn't have anyone else that could really go off the bounce that much other than uh, maybe Quint Snyder. He's he's really not that good, at um, least as far as draft prospects go or whatever. But uh, I just think the volume of, of run runouts that he had maybe 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 knock that number down a little bit as opposed to like so like a like a, there's a, Virginia runs selectively but they're very efficient in transition which is Louisville runs a ton and, and maybe they're not quite as overall as efficient um, on the break as maybe you would maybe expect them to be but I, I love Mitchell and uh, I, I mean if if he comes back to school which I, I don't think he will he's the best player in the ACC next year and, and it's probably not even close I think he's a stud. Yeah, I, and but that said, that said, I'm not sure where he fits in the NBA though. It, it is tough. Like, can he play point guard? Is he a, is he a bench score type? It, it's it's tough to see where he fits in. But I, I'm I'm high on this kid. I bet on guys that have freaky athleticism like that, and just hope it hope they can figure it out. Yeah, I think yeah, he needs man, to Mitchell, yeah. go ahead.
2: No, yeah, Mitchell. He's he's definitely a freak athlete, and he showed some serious flashes uh, last year at Louisville, or really, you know, his two years at Louisville. I I'm intrigued. I, I think he should come back to school. Um, but you know we'll see what happens with it. He comes out; he's going to be a first-round draft pick. To me, I agree with you guys. I, I don't, I don't see him as a lottery pick. All right, Brian. I know you've yeah. got three prospects. Let's do these in more um, of a rapid-fire yeah. uh, format, if we could. But but also, I, I, I want to respect and make sure that we talk about him as much as we can. But let's just uh, be cognizant and, and try to roll through these as quickly as we can. All right, Brian. We'll, your three we'll prospects that you're looking at. Uh,
3: real quickly, we've talked about this guy before on here, Justin Jackson, ACC Player of the Year from North Carolina. We, we've already covered the shooting before, we, but so let's go on. We were talking about we, Charlotte needs two-way players. Uh, man, you saw, this, you saw this guy play defense at the end of the season for them. He was just taking dudes off the court. I thought he did a tremendous job in the Elite Eight game against Kentucky against Malik Monk, who's the type of guy he's going to cover uh, in the NBA. And, and I just think with him and that 6'11 wingspan, played in 120 games in a tobacco road line, laboratory, which is like the best place for an amateur guy to, to kind of own his game. I feel like in in America, at least domestically. And I, and I, again, I like his shooting out of the pick and roll and, and on catch and shoots. I think he's a guy that could certainly fall in the Hornets range. And I think he's a guy that could also play from, from day one just because he's already on the other side of 20 and has played a ton of high-level basketball already as an amateur. So I don't know if you if you guys have anything you, you want to add on him or if I should just uh, flip through to the next guy here.
2: And hey, look, it, real quickly, if I've said it once, I've said it 100 times. Inevitably, he's going to end up being in the Hornets' conversation, You're right? Right, 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 right. Right, but, right. But look, at the same time, to be fair, Hornets need shooting. Hornets need scoring. Hornets need defense. Justin Jackson brings you both. I mean, it's a fair, it's a fair conversation to have for the Hornets. All right,
4: Brian. And, hey.
3: Yeah, all right. I'll go ahead and flip to my next guy. Uh, this is—I don't think this guy will be around um, at, at eleven. So, so maybe this is this is a pretty big reach here. But uh, uh, Lori Markinon from from Arizona. I, I mean, this guy was probably the best stretch big guy in the entire uh, in, in the entire class. You know, stacked up with guys like Zach Collins, whatever. Um, you know, he made he made sixty nine three pointers this year. That's the most I think in NCAA like, at least since they've been tracking these things. For or seven-footer in NCAA history, uh, he shot forty-five percent out of the pick and pop. I, everyone likes to compare him to Ryan Anderson, and because of that, I just think of how he'd fit in Charlotte's off- offense. And I don't think he's scoring for him will be much more difficult in the NBA. But you just think of him slipping picks, um, you know, doing those those double staggered high screens with Cody horn sets and popping out. And you just think he'd be a great guy to complement those, uh, those, those pick and roll rim runs with, with Cody and Kemba. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of this guy and he put together just an amazing offensive season out, uh, out West in the desert for Arizona this year.
2: I, I, I am not on board with you there. And quickly, uh, uh, I wouldn't touch him. I Really, would not. I, I was really let down and watching him in the tournament. His offensive skill is unbelievable. I mean, it really is. You know, he, he doesn't have much strength. I, I question what he can do around the rim long term. But but that's not what he's built for. Like you said, Brian. I mean, he's built to be, you know put put up top and pick and roll situation, pick and pop situations. Um, I just don't know what he does defensively. And he mimics Frank Kaminsky too much. Yeah, to he not. does. Yeah, that's uh, part, you know, I mean, that's true. It's totally. I could not agree you know, with you
3: more. Could not agree just, with you more.
2: I, I just don't know. Like I I actually don't hate him it probably as much as it sounds like i do as a prospect i just hate him for the hornets because i just don't know like where right he goes, like, where <laughs> right, right. to the rotation but you know i, I that said I, I think he's a very risky prospect but just because i don't know that he's ever able to play five in the nba and also you know
3: he has and, no and, and rim it, protection at all none zero no, he's
2: it, he's got to get it, four Right no strength, and then as a four, I mean, can are his feet quick enough to guard fours? I don't know. I, so I don't know. He's he's a very Frank Kaminsky-esque kind yeah, of prospect. sounds like we're talking about Frank. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I mean, hey, right. Of, yeah. We'll yeah. see. It, it he's he's an interesting one. I mean, I'm going to be very intrigued to see what he does in the NBA. All right, Brian, your last
4: prospect,
3: last guy, and I'll I'll be quick here too. Another pack, uh, another Pac-12 stretch four type. Uh, T.J. Leaf, who is a guy we've talked about a little bit on here. Uh, he didn't shoot a ton this year, but man, all of his from everywhere on the court where he did shoot from, uh, he was uh, he was tremendous. He's a little slow footed. He's not the most explosive, although I think I think I don't think he's you know, I don't think he's like made of cement or concrete or whatever. Real quickly, the one thing I would hit on, I like him as a passer. Uh, he had a high assist rate, his rate of 12 percent, and he can swing it side to side. He can go inside out. I really like that about Leafs game here.
2: Extremely skilled passer. You hit it right on the head, Brian. He, mm-hmm. I, I re- and you know what? He has a little bit of a dribble game too. I mean, I really yeah. like TJ Leaf. I, I think I'm a fan. He's a good athlete. He has good coordination. He sees the floor well. He's a good shooter. He has a dribble game. He has good size. I mean, there's really not a whole lot not to like about him as a player mm-hmm. outside of Lonzo Ball's dad saying that he's white. Right. And, you know, <laughs> If, right. if, yeah, if you subscribe to that cult, then, uh, then then maybe you don't like him. But I, I really like him as an athlete. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, to me, if you put a gun to my head, say TJ Leaf or a guy like Laurie Markkinen, I, I would take Leaf um, just because mm-hmm. I think he impacts the game in more ways. But, you know, the, the, those are guys that are all going to be kind of in that same range. It's going to be interesting to see kind of how that conversation turns, yep. uh, you know, when, when we get down to it. Um, all right. Well, we got through – Nine prospects, and I think it was really good conversation. And and look, folks, I I, I wish we would have had more time to to spend on these guys, and we're going to be talking about it a lot more. And Brian's going to be on uh, again. So don't think that you know this is the last time that we cover any of these in these names because you're gonna hear them a lot. Brian, before we go, I want you to tell people again where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find your great work on the website. And really, you, know, you represent Sports Channel 8. Say a little something about Sports Channel 8.
3: Yeah, man, Sports Channel Eight is—it's just—it's—we—we—we cover the ACC, we cover North Carolina from from a from a different angle than really anybody else, I think. And uh, you can find a lot of cool uh, cool stuff to read, gifs, videos, songs, parodies, all that good stuff up there. You can also find me at accsports.com. Uh, the ACC Analytics tab is my nerdy place of residence up there. where I write, do a lot of numbers stuff about ACC basketball players specifically. So you can find me there or on Twitter at bgeis, bgeis, underscore bird.
2: Well, man, really appreciate you coming on again. And like I said, we will have you back on to talk draft really, really soon because this is always so much fun. All right, look, thank you to everybody uh, that has listened up to this point. And again, welcome to our new Dash Radio listeners to our listeners that have been with us from the beginning with the show, make sure you go and download that Dash Radio app now. Do it now. Don't wait. Just go do it right now. Okay. And, and also know this, that we're going to be live on Tuesdays on Dash Radio uh, at 4 to 5 a.m., which probably not many of you Eastern Time. I hope not many <laughs> of you the East Coast are catching that show. But uh, 8 to 9 p.m., we will also be aired Eastern Time on Tuesday, so make sure you uh, you tune in to catch us there. Richie, tell our listeners where they can find us on the go. Yeah, obviously continue to listen to us
1: here on Dash Radio through the Almighty Baller Radio station. Uh, but again, you can download this episode on your preferred podcasting app, whether that's through iTunes, Stitcher, Tune in, Overcast, you name it. Uh, you can you can find us out there. Just search BuzzBeat Radio. Thanks again for the continued support and can't wait to see everyone on our
2: next show. Guys, that was fun. It was way too fast. And we're going to do this again really soon. So, Brian, again, <laughs> thank you much, man. Have a great night. Till next time, Hornets fans, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening.